With, with all that said, uh, we are continuing our series in the Psalms. So if you weren't with us last week, we started out um, our new series, kind of transitioning away from 2 Corinthians into uh, the book of Psalms. And so this gives us uh, this opportunity to really kind of dive into uh, some various Psalms throughout this book, uh, but it also allows us uh, kind of the break from, from what we normally do, which is walking kind of verse by verse through a book of the Bible as we did through 2 Corinthians. And so uh, we have this chance to kind of step back a little bit from that rhythm and be refreshed by coming to some of these Psalms, um, maybe in a fresh way. Uh, and so last week we had a chance to be in Psalm chapter 19. Uh, and today we are gonna have a chance to be in Psalm chapter 23. And so if you have a Bible with you, if you wanna go ahead and, and open that up to Psalm 23. This is one that is probably gonna sound familiar to many of you. Psalm chapter 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray again. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, would you minister it to our hearts this morning as we look at the Lord as shepherd, God. Help us to see uh, your uh, caring hand that is present in the lives of those who call you Lord, God. Use this passage to comfort those who do call you as Lord, God, and to shake awake those who do not yet call you Lord, God. Let them see that calling on the name of Christ for salvation guarantees them the promises of this passage, God. Let the, the goodness of this passage be so ever present that it would even stir those who do not call you Lord to call on you this morning, God. Comfort us with this passage, uh, encourage us, challenge us. We pray all these things in Christ's name, amen. So as I said, Psalm 23 is likely familiar uh, to many of you in this room. Uh, it's, it's really a go-to passage when a person finds themselves facing the prospect of death. This is probably the, the setting where we've seen this psalm uh, the most present. We bring it out e either when we ourselves are facing that prospect or someone that we know maybe has even just died. You hear this psalm brought forward at funerals. Um, it's, it's words kind of seen as a comfort to those under the burden of, of deep and abiding grief that death often brings. And you can quickly see why. The, the poetry here, the language is, is beautiful and it, it's comforting in a unique way. These images of rest, these images of tranquility, of a God who can offer comforts, a God who can offer protection to those who are in the valley of grief. This is, a, this is powerful imagery that we have in this psalm. 
But, but with that in our minds, let me just say that, that I think we'll, we will do ourselves a disservice if we only reserve this psalm for the end of our own lives. We will do ourselves a disservice if we only reserve this psalm for the end of the life of someone we love. If we're only ever driven to this psalm when we think about uh, someone's death or our own death. This is really a psalm, I think, that extends so far beyond that. And it speaks into even the everyday stuff of our lives. And so the, the metaphor of, of God as shepherd that we see kind of unfolded throughout this passage, it, it shows us that God is a shepherd who provides for us, that he protects us. And this speaks so powerfully. It speaks powerfully into our, our daily disappointments, into our weekly worries. It gives us this image of our God as one who is intimately involved in the very details of our lives. It helps us to see that he, that he is one who listens to the lonely. It helps us to see that he is one who hears the brokenhearted, that he directs his attention to the disappointed. This, this passage, it helps us to see that the world weary in this life are, are not left to wrestle with their worries. That the shepherd, that the Lord himself, that he leads the weary ones to rest. That he holds back the hands of evil that can harden hearts, that can shackle souls, and that he guarantees his chosen people the abundance of his abiding presence. All of that in six short verses for us. Does that, does that seem like too rosy of a depiction of the Christian life for you maybe? Maybe that's even a little bit uncomfortable and, and maybe a little bit too good to be true to your ears. And if that's the case for you, I would just say, let, let Psalm 23 establish your own trust and your own confidence in the Lord, that he is those things for you if you have him as your Lord. And so through this passage, we're gonna see a couple of things. We'll see that, that the Lord, our shepherd, he ensures your provision and protection and we'll see that the Lord, your banquet host, brings abundance in the midst of affliction. So take a look at the Lord as shepherd in verses one through four with me. We see the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What an opening line in itself. So much of the rest of these verses in one through four are building off of this very idea. We see that, that if you have bowed your knee to God, if you have him as your Lord, you lack no good thing. You lack no good thing. That the staggering supply of the shepherd meets you in the depth of your neediness. The shepherd satisfies the sheep completely. You cannot come to him with too much need. You cannot exhaust his resources. You have no lack. Isaiah 55, one says that, that he satisfies the thirsty without price. Psalm 107.9 says that, that he fills the hungry with good things. We can see here in verses two through three that, that this, the Lord who is our shepherd, that he provides abundance and rest leading to restoration. He leads us to be those who lack no good thing. The green pastures, even there in verse two, where the sheep are filled to the point of being able to lie down, 
We have this image that symbolizes abundance and security, that they would be able to find pasturage that could actually support them for a full meal and that they would have such security in that pasture that they would be able to lie down in the security of the shepherd who washes over them. You see, shepherding at that time in Palestine and likely even through today was fraught with difficulty. The sheep were led from grassy patch to grassy patch, rarely finding their fill in one pasture. But here, the shepherd knows where to lead the sheep to get their fill. Another aspect of the difficulty of shepherding in Palestine was the lack of water sources. In contrast here, the sheep are able to drink freely and rest. This is what we have in this language of, of being led beside still waters. It's a picture of being in a place where there is no concern over your most basic needs being met. This abundance and this security that the shepherd provides the sheep leads to rest. This shepherd knows where to lead and guide his sheep. This also seen in him leading them down right paths or these paths of righteousness. That he leads them to, to know how to even bring honor and glory to him. And all of this builds to this phrase here at the end of verse three, for his name's sake, which is a way of saying that God proves his character through providing for his people in this way, through providing in this abundant way and providing security in this abundant fashion. In, in Hebrew culture, that's how it worked. Names revealed the character of the one who had been named. And in God providing in this abundant way, he affirms his name to David, the psalmist. Even as we, as we consider the Lord as shepherd, we have to think about how, how for David, the author of this psalm, this, this shepherd metaphor was especially loaded. That he himself had been a shepherd, that, that this is how we're introduced to him, even in 1 Samuel 16. That he understood the, the nature of the relationship between shepherd and sheep. He saw how it was analogous to the, the relationship between God and his people. And he also knew the history of Israel up to this point. He knew about this history in which Shepherd language was often used to describe the, the relationship between God and his people. David, he knows Jacob's words in Genesis 48, 15, when Jacob uh, is speaking to Joseph and he refers to the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. David, he knows the story of the Israelites' exodus from Egypt when God, like a shepherd, sustained his people in the wilderness wanderings. When, as we see in Psalm 106, 8, that the Lord saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. David, he knows about the words that the Lord then commanded to Moses to say to the people as they stood on the edge of the promised land in Deuteronomy 2, when he said, these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you you lacked nothing. It sounds familiar to us. And he knows too that the shepherding hand of the Lord has been present in his own life. We can think of the Lord providing for him, of the Lord protecting him when Saul was scheming to kill him. When he wanted to keep David from ascending to the throne as king, yet the Lord preserved him as his servant. And so all of David's experiences and all of his knowledge 
of Israel's history makes this shepherd metaphor that we have here in one through four, it makes it that much more ripe with meaning. There's all of this subtext kind of behind the scenes as he writes these things, and it's even personal for him, not just his reflection on the history of Israel. And so the, the Lord, as a shepherd, we see him providing in one through three. And then we also see in verse four that the Lord, as a shepherd, protects. That just as shepherding in Palestine was fraught with difficulty, it was also fraught with danger. That the shepherd was often called on to defend the sheep against predators, to use the rod that's referenced there that was at his disposal. Here we see that the, the Lord as our shepherd, if we have him as Lord, does this same thing for us. Though we may walk through the valley of deep darkness, this valley of the shadow of death, though we may face affliction, though we may face suffering, though we may face our own death, we don't have to fear. That, that he, the shepherd, our Lord, is able to protect us, is able to defend us even when we face these things. We see here that the Lord is with us in the midst of these things. This is even seen in the shift of language that the shepherd, he goes from leading and guiding his sheep in verses two through three to verse four where he is walking alongside the sheep. It says that he is with them. The Lord is with his people in all the various trials they face. But notice there, even in this, this idea that we may walk through the valley of deep darkness, there are still trials to face. Having Christ as Lord does not exempt you from the valley, but having Christ as Lord guarantees you this. It guarantees you his presence, and it guarantees you his protection. It guarantees that those things are with you in these very valleys that you walk through in this life. This means that, that the cancer diagnosis may still come for you. This means that, that you may still watch your children wander away from the Lord for a season. This means that you may have meaningful friendships in your life dissolve away over time. This means that you may still walk through the valley of parenthood in which you cannot figure out what you're actually supposed to do in raising your own kids. This means, even on a more serious note, that you may, you may witness uh, your brother in arms lose his life in combat. These incredibly serious things come at us in this life. We experience the valley of deep darkness in profound ways. And we're not promised relief from that valley, but what we are promised is the relief of Christ with us in this valley. We're promised that the Lord, our shepherd, will keep our souls safe in the face of affliction. We're promised that in the face of suffering, in the face of death, Christ is with us if we have him as our Lord. You can be confident in this. You can trust him, his provision, his protection. And, and this reason for confidence and trust in the Lord, it gets rolled out even further for us in verse five. The metaphor in verse five, it shifts from the Lord as shepherd 
to the Lord as banquet host. The, the Lord as a banquet host, we see he brings abundance in the midst of affliction. We see abundance at the table, that he's gonna prepare this table for us in the presence of our enemies, and we see abundance in the temple. First, as we look at abundance at the table, the security and protection that the Lord brings is so complete, it's so trustworthy, that instead of preparing us for battle against our enemies, the Lord prepares us for a banquet in their very presence. Catch, catch that imagery there. This act of, of anointing one's head that we see, anointing one's head with oil, it, it was a practice that was done before a great banquet that was being thrown. And maybe even the sort of feast that one would have after they defeated their foe in battle. And here we see that the outcome is so secure. We see that, that there's no reason to delay the victory meal. That the security of the shepherd as our banquet host lets us celebrate this banquet in the presence of our very enemies in this life. The host is one who fights for us. The Lord spreads this table for us as his honored guests. And this is, is a picture, an image of abundance in the face of affliction. We see that, that we have fellowship with the Lord even in the midst of great affliction in our lives. Not removal of affliction, not a veering us away from the valley necessarily, but the presence of Christ with us in the very valley. And so we really see David here turning up the heat on the reality that those who have God as Lord get to enjoy fellowship with him. Sitting at the Lord's table captures this idea that it's a fellowship that will bring security along with it. We see that being in the Lord's presence is not gonna guarantee distance from the difficulty of life, but being in his presence is going to guarantee us the abundance of his fellowship, the abundance of his good fellowship. In fact, I would even go so far as to say that, that you will experience the companionship of Christ in its deepest form on your darkest nights. That the companionship of Christ, the fellowship of Christ that the psalmist is talking about here is, is ever present for us on the most difficult days of our lives and the most difficult nights of our lives as we walk through the darkness of the valley. And so to, to help capture even this idea of the Lord's uh, setting a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I wanna tell you guys about a chance that I had to go to the rodeo as a child. Um, I grew up in South Louisiana, and uh, if you know anything about it, there's plenty of opportunities to go to the rodeo in South Louisiana. Um, and so I, I had this opportunity growing up to go, and I uh, was left with this impression of one of the events that, that always took place when I would go to the rodeo with my family. There was this event where uh, they would bring out a card table and they would set it kind of in the middle of the arena and you would have all the rodeo clowns come out and gather around the table and you probably know where, where this is all going. The next step was that they would let the bull out of its cage into the arena and, and it would stamp around and it would make a big huff and you would start to see the rodeo clowns, not facially because they all had paint, but you start to see them fidget at the table. 
you started to kind of see this, this anxiety kind of overwhelm them a bit. They, they knew that there was a chaotic scene that they were about to get caught up in. And the, the purpose of this game, the objective of this game is that, uh, that one of them would be the last one standing at this table, or sitting, I should say, at this table, that they would be the winner if they could withstand the, the advances of the bull towards them. And, and as you might even be thinking yourself, this plays out in such a predictable way. Um, we, we start seeing bodies flying around. Uh, we see people just getting completely wrecked by the bull. You see the ambulance off to the side and the paramedics are just, they're just in the blocks ready to go to pull out these rodeo clowns. There's, there's guys abandoning their seats left and right. It's, it's just chaotic scene where no one is left outside of the carnage of the bull that's been let loose in the arena. And it leads us to, to imagine this scene. If there was one person sitting at this table who held some sway over the bull that was let loose in the arena. Leads us to, to imagine, what if there was one person who could keep this bull from charging and inflicting this damage that it so predictably does? One whose presence alone would provide protection for the others who were sitting around this table. And, and what we see in this verse today is that, is that this is what we have, is that, is that we can, can dine on the dirt at the rodeo while the bucking bull stamps around us. We see that the presence of our host who has set this table before us, even in the presence of our enemies, it keeps the bull at bay, keeps those things that would harm us at bay while we have the opportunity to dine in peace with our host. The Lord, as our banquet host, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He gives us the abundance of his presence, of his fellowship in the midst of our affliction. And then we see next an image that captures the abiding nature of his presence. We see this in abundance in the temple in verse six, where it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. First, we see in that verse that the covenant love of God, his hesed, his steadfast love towards his chosen people is something that pursues the psalmist. That these covenant characteristics of God are personified here in this verse. And when we see mercy spoken of in scripture, when we see steadfast love being spoken of in the Old Testament, it's meant to depict God's covenant love towards us. This love that he shows to his covenant people. And what we know about God's covenant love, even just from reading a couple of pages of the Old Testament, if we've done that, is that it is a pursuing love. That, that God at each step of the way is seeking after his people, pursuing them even as they would want to run away. And, he, and here in the ESV translation, it's captured in this word follow, that it's spoken of as following David all the days of his life. That, that David, he can't shake this. He can't divert it. God's love is something that pursues him and it, and it brings him ultimately to dwell in the temple. This temple that symbolizes the Lord's presence with his people. To, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of David's life means that he is to remain in God's presence for all his days. 
This even being something that supersedes the physical act of being in the temple. It's this idea of God's presence being with him at each and every step of his days. It is to enjoy the provision of the Lord, to enjoy the protection of the Lord and the abundance of the Lord with no end in sight. And so these, these verses are likely familiar to us. And so the, the question that it leads us to, even as we close, is what do we do with all of this as we wrap up this morning? What, how do we make sense of these ideas? Maybe this even seems a bit abstract to you, this idea of God being one who provides, as one who protects, as one who provides his abundant presence to you. But what I want us to see is simply this. I, I want us to, to even look through Psalm 23 with, with the lens of Christ, through, through Christ's lens. I want us to see that if we have Christ as our Lord, the joy of the psalmist here in Psalm 23 is our joy too. I want us to see that if we have Christ as our Lord, we are invited to trust in the Lord as the psalmist so clearly does. In, in John 10 verse 11, Jesus says something incredible about himself as he's ministering. He, he draws on this rich heritage of the shepherd language for the people of Israel. And he says this in John 10, 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, has laid his life down for us. This is at the heart of the gospel. And in, in doing this, in laying his life down for us, he has ushered us into the reality of Psalm 23. He has ushered us into this very reality. And you might ask, how has he done this? Look at a couple of ways, even this will follow along with these verses here. We can see in Christ's sacrificial death that he provides us life. We can see that, that there is life and there is rest for those who receive Christ's righteousness. We, we can know the green pastures. We can know the still waters. We can know the right path that the shepherd leads us to because Christ the good shepherd has laid his life down for us. We can see in, in Christ's defeat of sin we can see in Christ's defeat of Satan, we can see in Christ's defeat of death that we have no reason to fear enemies or evil in this life. This corresponds with verse four. We can know the protective care of the shepherd. We can know that he is one who is present with us in the valley. And we can know these things because he in Christ Jesus at the cross and through his resurrection has accomplished the ultimate victory over evil. He's defeated sin, he's defeated Satan, he's defeated death. Moving along and corresponding this to, to the good news of the gospel, we can see in, in God's covenant love displayed at the cross of Christ, we can see that he pursues us. We can see that he pursues us even 
in our sinfulness. We can see that the, the steadfast love of God, his mercy, it does not stop until it has us. And, and finally, we can see in, in Christ's abiding presence how great of an abundance we actually have. We can see that, that the spirit of God that dwells in those who call him Lord guarantees us that we will dwell with him forever. It guarantees us of this. What, what an incredible abundance we have in his presence. And so my exhortation is enjoy the enduring presence of the Lord. If you call on Christ as Lord, if you have him as your Lord, Psalm 23 is true for you. And if you don't, then, then the, the word here is clear. It's that look at how incredible this picture is of life with God. Call on him, have him as your Lord. And Psalm 23 is, will be true of you as well. You will be, be able to enjoy all of the benefits that are yours because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Be able to enjoy his provision in your life, his protection in your life, the abundance of his presence. So if you have Christ as Lord this morning, then you have him as shepherd of your soul. And this is incredibly good news for you this morning. The Lord is, is your shepherd and you lack no good thing. Let's pray. God, these words are nearly too good to be true. God, 20 seconds of reflection on who we are as people, the depth of our brokenness, the breadth of the ways in which we have lived lives for ourselves, chased after anything that would satisfy us, Lord. The amount of times that we have even read words such as Psalm 23 and run in the opposite direction, God, disbelieving these promises that you have made to us, God. We know, Lord, that from this brief reflection on who we are, God, we should be disqualified from this. We see that we should not enjoy the abundance of being your sheep, God, of being under your lordship. God, and yet the, the scandal of the gospel is that these things are true, God. The scandal of the gospel, Lord, is that what we read in Psalm 23 actually is true for those who have Christ as their Lord, God. And so we thank you, God, that your ways are higher than our ways, God, that, that your wisdom is deeper than our own, God, and that you have and your shepherdly care 
sought humanity out, Lord. We pray even this morning, Lord, that you would minister these words to our hearts, God. That we would come to know you as our provider, as our protector, as the one who abundantly offers your presence, your fellowship to us, God. And God, may, may a deepening trust and confidence that you are those things for us produce worship in our hearts that brings glory to your name, God. God, we, we thank you that you save wretched folks like us. Let us never get over the goodness of your grace towards us in Christ. God, let us never shirk off the Lordship of Christ. Let us see you as our shepherd all the days of our lives. God, we pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen.